0: From Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that That when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand and stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet firmly fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always keeping, always praying, always Lord, people, pray for me and whenever I speak that the words may be given to me that I will be fearlessly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am the ambassador in chains. Pray that I may decree cry, declare it fearlessly as I should. Now let's be honest. We are in a war between God and Satan. God of peace and light against the power of darkness. Last year we, we changed it to a cowboy. If you're watching from a cowboy point of view, you know, it was fun to watch. Today, We're going to get down to armor. Now, in my hand, I hold that book that you see up there, a little older version. It's the same color on the skin, but it's the exact same book. This here is the military song and service book and field manual for services. The wonderful lady in the church who had a broad sale auction, she bought it for me and I kept it. It has all the services in it. It has a Catholic service in it. It has a Jewish service in it. It has... So if I had to do a Jewish funeral, I have a little book here that tells me how to do that. Which I've actually had to do because we could not get this the the synagogue you know leader in here once. And in this book it starts off with Washington's Prayer for the Nation. If you've never read it, you should read it. But they have this one that you see up there and I hold in my hand was printed in nineteen forty two. And that was replacing one that was from before. And it has great old hymns. You know, all those ones that you want to, you know, I hear the voice. More to thee, he leadeth me, the old rugged cross. And in here, there's one that some of you might remember the hymn. that begins with these words. Onward, Christian soldiers. Marching as to war. It's a good hymn, but for many of us, it probably doesn't really represent our attitude as Christians as we sit here today. I mean, do we do you really think of yourself as a Christian soldier involved in fighting a war? But that is exactly how the Bible portrays us. In fact, God's holy word frequently uses the imagery of soldiers in a conflict to describe Christians. Now, if you have a King James Bible, verses 6, 11, and 12, read this way. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil... For we wrestle not with flesh and blood and against principalities, principalities, pardon me, and against the powers and against the rulers of this dark world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, allow me to give you a little bit of trivia here, you on the internet and you here sitting here. If you're reading out of a King James Bible, the Bible spells armor as a r m o u r and if you're reading out of a different version most of the others spell armor a r m o r the king james bible is not a mistake it is the original english webster who famous is famous for his dictionaries noted that the british started dropping the u out of words between 1783 and 1804. The King James that you're reading your translation out of was published in 1611. In the King James Bible, you beside armor, you also have the words honor, H-O-N-O-R, H-O-N-O-U-R, and you have favor, which it, we spell F-A-V-O-R, they spell it F-A-V-O-U-R along with many other words that I can take you just read over them you don't notice the change it's not a mistake it's it's a change of times it someone pointed out it's an error in the bible no it's not an error in the bible it's it's a change of times it's not a mistake it's a translation printing of 1611 that they still honor to this day and compared to the year 2023 Now, that's just a bit of trivia for you. If you're in a trivia contest, how do they spell it in the old King James? Because some of you still have King James Bibles, and some of the people on the internet still have it. So now you know a little bit of trivia. And the passage we're studying today goes on. Remember, it had other words. It had other things. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. It talks about the helmet of salvation, the the shield of faith. And to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and go forth to war. You see, we are in a war. Between God and Satan, God God of peace and light against the prince of darkness. Now some people might snicker at that statement like that but it's true. Battles are taking place in the hearts and minds of people all across this world. And in our country, it's be, it really became kind of obvious about 2016 with Colin Kaepernick and the football player take, taking a knee in the protest of the National Anthem and then it just started to spread against Christianity at that time. The the, with the support of our news outlets, he, his protests spread and being echoed. Including, and it actually got to the point of outright opposition against Christianity. And the part it played in our founding principles of our country. And then with the tragic death of George Floyd, that thing started going uphill there. That was in 2020. And once again, with the aid of major news outlets, the war reassumed as a racial character and gained even more momentum and attack in attacking our nation and upon Christianity. It would appear for many people they suddenly became aware of the battle. The battle's always been going on, but they suddenly became aware of the battle in these two events and after these events. It's been going on for a long time, though, in our nation. The educational institutions and even some of the churches The Apostle Paul was right there in a battle. There is a battle going on. Even today for the hearts and minds of men and women. Between Christianity and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And frankly, to many it would seem that Christians today are losing many of the battles. Christian values are being eroded. We've been driven back by moral perversions. The breakdown of the family is soaring crime late. A few years ago, Charles Colson, in one of his books, wrote about a letter that appeared for Ann Landers. I actually checked out the letter. It did appear, but he wrote about it, this letter from Ann Landers. It appeared from a young man brimming with indignation. His girlfriend, after to he her birth control, without his knowledge, she'd become pregnant. And he wrote in the article, some women cannot be trusted. And Coulson said, as I read the letter, I shook my head. And sadly, many consider sex outside of marriage An unquestionable right. And he thought, he really thought Ann Landers would set a right. Okay? Ann Landers normally gave good advice. Anybody ever read Ann Landers? Okay? But her answer, and I checked out, this is what she answered. Virtually eroded and endorsed his attitude. She wrote, your letter should be discussed in all high school classrooms. It makes abundantly clear... That convincing a, a, or the convincing or a careless girl can make a tremendous effect in a man's life. Coulson commented, I almost crumpled up the newspaper. There was no mention of moral right or wrong, just sympathy and suggestion that all high schools should be now taught, taught promiscuity. Sadly, Ann Landers, who normally gave good advice, Her suggestion that the school system should do the teaching, and I'm leaving out a bunch because there's still some nice young people in here and I don't want to get in trouble, right? I read her thing, it's terrible, right? Let's admit it right now. Despite the fact that the majority of the people in the U.S. call themselves Christian, we're in a losing battle for the hearts and minds of many people. Yet in the face of all that has happened, there are signs that Christians are beginning to fight back. Now, I told Jeremiah this was for him. And it's coming up on the screen in just a second. Dion Sanders. It should be up on the screen right about now. Here he comes, Jeremiah, just for you. No, it isn't. It's for me, too, because he's one of my favorites. <sighs> now, this appeared on the Internet last week. You may not have noticed these items on the Internet last week, but let me tell you about them. And, Jay, football season's coming. We're going to have to have a dress-up day coming up soon. You know, what's your favorite day, Jay? When we all dress up in sports, everybody be thinking about it. Despite calls, I got to get back to the sermon. I'm going to mess up Rebecca in the way background. Despite calls not to hire Deion Sanders last year because of his outspoken Christian faith, they had a letter-writing compound c- campaign against the Colorado Buffaloes not to hire him because he was a Christian. They hired him. And he's doing great. Last week, he has has 1.6 million followers on his social media. You know what he told them last week? Are you ready? If God gave you what you wanted right now, could you handle and maintain the blessing? This ain't for everybody else. It's about you, he said. If you ain't ready... Please get ready. 1.6 million people heard that. Now, his son, Shador Sanders, is the quarterback for the Colorado Buffaloes. So dad's coaching son. Think about that. Shador threw, for a school record, 510 yards the most passing yards that he'd ever thrown and recorded four touchdowns in one game. His other son, Shiloh, plays at safety and has recorded ten ten high tackles in one game. The apple doesn't fall very far from the tree with that family, does it? The news item said, joined by his son, Shador, and by a uh, receiver Travis Hunter, a new receiver that they have on the Buffaloes. The coach told Fox News sideline reporter, his name is or her name, pardon me, is Jenny Taff, during a pregame interview. Or is it post game? I don't remember, you have to check it out. Thank you, Jesus, I am just so thankful now. All over the television screen, he's just saying that, right? Sanders added, It's a blessing to be able to coach at the Colorado University, declaring that God is good on Fox News. Now, that is an example a little long, but I threw it out for Jeremiah because he gets to get excited about it, right? But you need to remember, he's one of my favorite all-time guys. So, Stephen Martin is a freelance reporter for the sports writer column It's carried all, she's carried in newspapers, and she's off of corner on TV. And in her column last Wednesday, September 6th, she wrote it with this headline. Ten Christian NFL players who plan to stand for God in 2023. And she named seven NFL quarterbacks and three key other team players whom she described as faithful men men of God who are setting godly examples both on and off the field. Now contrast that with the type of news that you and I have been subject to from football fields over the past few years. Oh yes, Christian influence is not just showing up in some major sports team. It actually showed up in a high school football team in Texas. Texas. About a week ago. About a week ago or so. I think you'd be proud of the Christian spirit shown in that. That some of them calls flyover country. You know you're know your flyover country, don't you? Right? A teacher who was at this event. At this game. Shared the details with one of our Wesleyan pastors and this picture. And I got it off the Wesleyan page. He shared... It was an away game, and our lo- our locals for a local high school. I I, I don't know this, where it was away to, but he shared. And during the halftime, the announcer came over the air and it, loudspeakers at the stadium announced that the high school student in that town had been in a very serious accident that afternoon, and it was it was in critical condition in the hospital. Immediately. The local football team started a form of prayer circle. And then the members of our football team, this is the teacher talking, joined along with that team. Along with everybody else in the field. The cheerleaders, the coaches. Meanwhile, the students from both high school stands poured out onto the field. And if you'll notice, the stands are empty. And everybody, except the announcer, stood on the football field and prayed for this person and the hospital. Giant Oval. Prayers were lifted by young, for the young victim. And then the half-time break was over, and they went back to their places, and the game resumed. But notice this picture. They're all praying, big circle, big mob of people, and the stands are empty. We're winning, and we don't always hear about it. So what can we do? How can we reach and teach and win people to the army of God? What can you do sitting here today? I believe we can find at least part of the answer in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Where we look at Paul in the city of Philippi. When the Apostle Paul went to Philippi, he experienced some great victories. His message was received and Acts chapter 16 records three events that shows that the gospel was reaching a cross-section of people. Chapter 16 records three events that shows that the gospel was reaching a cross-section of people. The first of them is Lydia, a wealthy businesswoman. Next was a demon-possessed slave girl. And the third was a man from a sturdy middle class in Philippi. He was known as a jailer. The church in Philippi became one of the strongest Paul ever started. So successful were they in Philippi that people in the next town, when Paul entered into it, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Oh, how would you like to be in that town when he walked in and they were saying that about you? Right? That's Acts 17.6. You can read that in those... that to this day. So what happened to make Paul's effort in Philippi so successful? What did he do? And what can we learn from that today? Well, when Paul entered the city, his usual practice was to go right to the Jewish synagogue. Because they already believed in God, and they were looking for the coming Messiah. Paul would have a ready-made audience and who wanted to hear the good news. But there was no synagogue in Philippi. And this could have discouraged Paul. But he didn't. And it didn't. Instead, Luke, who was traveling with Paul, wrote in Acts chapter 16, verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went down... We now travel into Paul. You know, we went down outside the city gate and walked down by the river. We expected to find a place of prayer. And he sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And as Paul spoke, one woman in particular listened carefully. Her name was Lydia. And she was a businesswoman, a dealer of purple cloth. Now, purple dye is gathered from one drop by drop from a shellfish. That, it's a tedious process. And this made the garments that she sold very expensive. That's why only royalty wore purple. So Lydia is a dealer in very expensive garments. And apparently very successful, if you study her. In verse 14, she says something. I want you to notice something very interesting. Verse 14 tells us, The Lord opened her heart to accept Paul's message. And the very next sentence says, She and the members of her household were baptized. They're right by the river. Good time for it. Jesus told his disciples, Go into all the world. Preach the good news to all creation, and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. These words are found in Mark sixteen sixteen. Lydia opened her heart in the gospel and Paul instructed her to be baptized. Now I love the picture and the portrayal of baptism. Paul tells us it symbolizes death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. I believe it also symbolizes our submission to Christ. Over the years, people have responded to the invitation of baptism. They've been some have worn really extensive jewelry, you know. Some have we actually been in tailor-made clothing, right? Some had really extensive hairdo's, which I don't know what those are anymore, right? But as the hymn writer says, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring except to the cross I cling. And they're lowered briefly into the water. Just as Jesus was buried into the grave and they're brought back up, just as Jesus rose from the dead. And in the eyes of the world, they may look terribly drenched in... What's a good word for ladies when their hair's all hanging down Terrible. Yeah, you've got to have a better word than that. Bedraggled. That's a good word. When's the last time you used that word? Bedraggled. But it would fit it. But in the eyes of Christians, they are beautiful. Verse 15 in Acts tells us, and she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she asked, if you do, come and stay at my house. She succeeded and successfully got them all at home. Now, our next point is that you and I can pull from God's Holy Word and to apply it to our lives. Is when the Apostle Paul went to the city of Philippi and found no synagogue. He didn't give up. He went out to where the people were, the river. And that's what we need to do. We come to church To be instructed and to receive inspiration. But the church building is not the battlefield. At least this one is not. I'm not saying there aren't some that have... There's a battle going on. This is not a battlefield. This is an ammunition store. Like we talked about last week. This is our supply depot for the battle. We'll never make a significant impact for in our community or our families by only sitting in a church building and taking it in, all in ourselves. In his book, Who Speaks for God, Charles Colson emphasized getting the message to this, that we should, oh, it's a great read if you never read it. He emphasized getting the message into the secular market. He writes, our best writers, should infiltrate the newsrooms of New York Times and CBS. He's actually right. And our Christian scholars should debate the secular counterparts and shatter the myth that the Christian faith is an intellect, intellectually inferior. If you never read the book, it's a great read. Christian business people, he wrote, need to apply biblical principles to everyday office decisions. And he's right. That's why our sermon from last week was about. It's a Christian code of work. And if you're not here, you can go watch it on the internet, right? Or you can go to the YouTube channel. Or you can podcast it on your phone. Now, if we're going to take the message to the community, there are several things we need to do. First, we must recognize that false values that are constantly bombarding us. Soldiers who fought in the wars from Vietnam to today, battles, often say the toughest thing about fighting there was many times they did not know who the enemy was. Typically, too many in the church are not able to recognize the false values because they've been exposed to them so often they've come to accept them as true. We worry about sex and violence and vulgarity on television, but oftentimes it's the subtle messages that are even more destructive. For, the, for example... The media constantly suggests that to celebrate any occasion or to enjoy yourself, you gotta have liquor or drugs. You know what I'm saying about? Let me explain that. I, we watch those cop shows on television, you know, NCIS and all them, right? And they're flying around in a plane. And on a government plane, they always got two or three fifths and they're sitting there drinking on a government plane. When's the last time you could drink in a government plane? They got The cops show. They always got a bottle. They're pulling out. You know, off the, they got a bar in the, the police office. When's the last time you could drink and drive as a cop? Right. But if you watch television, it's, it's all made it into the show. I mean, not just that. You, they did the smoking, toking, vaping. I, just add on to it. Getting back to the sermon. Watch how Christians are portrayed on TV. It's almost always in a negative way, unless it's like one channel. It's subtle. And not-so-subtle impressions, both subtle and not-so-subtle, that's left... Basically, it says, if you stand for Christianity, if you stand for Christian morals, then you're a hopeless hypocrite. And of course, we are pre- repeatedly bombarded with the idea that in order to be happy, we have to have more and more material possessions. We absorb this stuff so much that some of us have come to believe it's true. I'm not saying you, but some people do have. It says you can't be happy without possessions. You can't stand for Christian values without being incompetent and hypocrite and compassionate throughout the word. You can't have a good time without drinking or drugs. Sidebar here, they have a whole YouTube channel of people being arrested for DUI now. You should It's crazy. We must be alert to recognize false values. We sitting here today must know and love the holy infallible word of God. An army has to have its ammunition. Our weapon is the word of God. And if we do not have, or you do not have a solid biblical foundation We can easily fall prey to the philosophies and self indulgences and the great human attack that is on us. Humanity, it's just, you know what I'm saying. And have a knowledge. In these critical days, we've got to know the Bible value and what the Bible values, and we have to be able to apply them to our everyday lives. Finally, if we're going to affect our world for Christ, We must be the Lord of our lives. We've got to have priority. The Lord has to be Lord of our lives, not us. I'm trying to word it that way. We must have priority. we just got to give it all to Him. You know, our business decisions, our Saturday night games and TV, you know, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. Charles Colson, now he's getting three quotes because just finished up a couple of his books from that Z library thing, right? He said, Being a Christian is more than mouthing pious hymns or believing in vague deity. To follow Christ and Scripture inevitably and radically alters one's opinions and values on everything. It involves the totality of our lives. And only as we grasp the truth that makes Christ Lord can we ever hope to make an impact on the culture. Now, let me give you a Billy Graham quote. Years ago, Billy Graham, when he was still alive, was asked, with so much evil in this world, how can you still be optimistic? About the future, and Graham answered, "I've read the final chapter of the book, and it assures me that Jesus Christ is going to win." See, if you if, if you ever want to get upbeat, it's a ter- it's a hard read, but the battle's won, the war is won. We sitting here today, and our brothers and sisters sitting all across this dark world, are in a battle of hearts and minds. But the victory of Jesus is assured. There is eternal life for those who give them their leader, and there's eternal hell and damnation, no ifs and ands about it, for those who reject them. Now, in your bulletin, you have a song, Onward Christian Soldiers. And you'll notice there's five verses. Well, in fairness, Every hymnal since about 190204, 204 when the Methodists got really upset about this song and tried to kick it out of their hymnal, and the people got all upset, have cut it down to four verses instead of the original five. They took out verse 2. Now, don't be feel bad. Baptists take out verses. We take out verses. You know, they get along. But verse 2 says, At the sign of trump triumph, Satan's host does flee. Then on then Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your values. Loud your anthem raise. In your neighborhood, in your schoolroom, in your place of business. Loud your anthem raise. I think they took it out because they don't like that last line. In your schoolroom, in your place of business, it's it's just gone. So I I found the five version, right? I actually paid a penny to download it. No, if we hand hand out a thing, we got to pay a penny. Did you know that? We actually pay CCL license. But you all now have a penny in your hand. But it has a lot more in there. This song has been banned in churches the presbyterians took it out in uh, 1940 no 50 some then the methodists tried they had an uproar now it's out of their hymnals the you know it is in this book to this day our men and women our soldiers can still sing onward christians and it's in our hymnal but it's only four verses Actually, in this one, it only has four verses too. I got to admit, it's small. You can only fit so much in here, right? God's holy word carries on. We are in a war. You can think of it as cowboys and Indians, or you can think of it as soldiers. But would you ever be a cowboy out in the plains without your gun? You know you got you got to have your six gun. Did you know that the Pony Express riders they were they were young kids, teenagers, 12 to 14 to 16. They were given the mail and a six-shot revolver cuz the weight was the most important, but they still carried a gun. Would you have gone out as a rider on the range without a, a rifle? No. So when the bear, the coyote, or the wolf come up to attack the herds, right? You got to be able to shoot them. I mean, that sounds terrible, but you got to protect the sheep. You got to protect the cows. If you're riding for the brand, you're loyal to the brand. If you don't like the brand, change brands. But you don't get to change who the Lord and King is. We serve a risen Savior. The tomb is empty. So we need to close. And there's some goodies at the coffee bar. So if you're visiting today, you've got to help us eat them. Because what's my favorite saying? There's no calories in church. And oh, how I wish that was true. There's also no calories in fellowship, so you're invited to stand around and talk. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you've given us a tough lesson these last two weeks. It's hard to think of ourselves as soldiers. We want to like everybody, be nice to everybody, but we we forget we are in a war. A war for the hearts and minds. And Father, we're honest with you. There are times we feel like we're losing. We don't just feel like it. We almost know it on our soul, but the battle's won. We just have to win some of the skirmishes. So bless us now. Refresh us now. Fill us now is our humble prayer. And all God's people said, Amen.